Welcome to the new year, death party people. Hope you had a good one. Kicked the old new year off right, whatever that means for your weird deviant brain. Yeah, and to those listening, great job of making it into the new year. If you're feeling the last few years like we're feeling the last few years, you know it's not always easy crossing that new year's finish line. Especially mm. when statistics show that around 24 people die each year from champagne corks. If you aren't stopping to think about how weird that is yet, just know that that's six times more than people who die from shark attacks each year. Yeah, we're all, I was a little bit bummed celebrating this new year, I have to say, because it's the first year that we're living in a golden girls free Aww. year. Why'd you have to bring that up? <laughs> because I can't help it. It's on the top of my brain every second of every day. I guess this is the podcast for it. <laughs> <laughs> We're start kicking it off on brand. I slipped through it and just tried to keep Eloise from freaking out. Oh, so. firework. Were there a lot of fireworks over here? Mm-hmm. Mm. Every year, and my dog hates it. We don't really have... I think we heard a couple fireworks in our neighborhood, but for the most part, we don't. Even Fourth of July isn't really too bad. But then again, I don't have a small paranoid dog, so maybe I'd notice them more if I did. Mm. Now that we've gotten the niceties out of the way, guess it's time to talk about death some more. Yay. I wish I had a watch that just, like, instead of having the usual 1 to 12 clock face, mm -hmm. instead had death written at intervals 12 times around it. And then when, when someone asked me what time it is, I could say, why, it's time to talk about death. It's death o'clock, but of corpse. Ha ha. <laughs> Kick things off with a salad pun. Off to a good start on this episode of... I am all that in a bag of chips, but you can call me Eritress. <laughs> and I'm all of that and the little pickle that comes on the side that's kind of rubbery and weird and makes your sandwich soggy on the edge. <laughs> Faye! <laughs> now I sound like way more conceited <laughs> on that intro. Well, now everyone had to find out at some point. No. <laughs> it's like my first grade teacher always said, just be yourself and nobody gets hurt. That's... Some sage advice from a horror movie? Which teacher was that now? Oh, sh Yes, that's... Mixing uh, up childhood heroes and horror movies again, huh? Yes, I think I am. But you know what else I'm thinking? Is it... I think you got this one. I don't know. I'm drawing a blank. I believe in you. Okay, is it... Wait, can I have a hint? Mm. Wait, no. Uh, don't tell me. Okay, wait, no. Mm. Does it start with the letter... Hmm? No. Is it really strange or entirely kooky ways that people have died? What are the odds? As you may have gathered during the intro, in this episode, we will be digging into some weird deaths. Super weird. And unearthing ways. Super unearthing. That people who have bought the farm have uh, moved onto that farm, mm -hmm. I guess. I assume eventually making your way to said farm is implied in that expression. But I digress. If you're like me and more concerned about how you go than what comes afterwards, good news. Can I be concerned with both? These unusual farm purchases are also highly unlikely to happen to you. I mean, what are the odds? 
We're leaving out any that were murdery for multiple reasons, not the least of which is that it is absolutely nauseating the way that humans have come up with to kill each other over the centuries. Yeah, ew. So rest assured that, as usual, we won't be getting into gross details. Not too gross. On the deaths we're covering. Let's kick things off with a weird death that was entirely preventable, and arguments could be made for this one being scared to death. <laughs> this is the story of Kurt Gödel. <laughs> is that it? Ish? Sure. By all accounts, a very smart cookie. He was a logician, and one of his bios had stuff about his incompleteness theorem and stuff about time travel. But then the writer started using Latin terms, and that's where they really lost me. Don't pretend like you don't speak Latin. I've heard you hissing and chanting in the middle of the night, like last Tuesday, when I dropped by and you were crawling around on the ceiling. You don't remember? Oh, uh, so you want a breakdown of this dude's mathematical accomplishments? Go ahead and find you another podcast. We're mostly interested in how he died and how to avoid his fate. I want to avoid all the fates, including Kurt's. What about the Furies? Oh, uh, the Furies. Oh. <laughs> so this one is pretty straight ahead. Kurt Gödel died from malnutrition. Was he only eating junk food? Did he eschew all leafy greens and decide mother legumes were right out of the... Uh, Equation for him. <laughs> oh. No, this dude was terrified of eating something poisonous. To be fair, nobody really wants to eat something poisonous. I know I don't. Faye, do you want to eat something poisonous? Depends. How yummy does it taste? Okay, never mind. Josh? If I can add hot sauce, maybe. Probably not. <laughs> Ugh, gross, gross, gross. So there you have it. According to our test sample of two and not counting Faye, 100% of people do not want to eat something poisonous. This smarty smart pants math dude was clearly onto something. Well, to be even fairer, Kurt's fear of being poisoned was preceded by one of his close friends being assassinated by a psycho Nazi kid who claimed that his victim's anti-metaphysical philosophy had mm. interfered with his moral restraint. Oh. So, it was a strange time to be alive. Is that like a yo mama fight <laughs> between <laughs> smart people? Uh, works for me. <laughs> Let's say yes. Let's say yes. In a way, it's like when Trump was in office and all I could eat was pastries and bottles of antacids. Are we still staying away from politics? Uh, I think that anecdote reinforces our stereotype of being lefty liberal snowflakes, so our <laughs> friends on the right won't mind that one. Anyways, after his friend was shot, Kurt became obsessed with the possibility of being poisoned and would only eat food prepared for him by his wife. Yes, and that was only after she tasted it first. You never know. She could be a double agent. She fell ill at one point and was hospitalized for a long time. Probably because she poisoned the food. <gasps> During which he stopped eating and starved to death. Since he had bouts of depression throughout his life, it's possible he was so depressed without her around, he consciously decided to stop eating. Aw, let's say it's not that one, because that's really depressing. Yeah, I, I find depression does tend to be pretty depressing. <laughs> Or maybe this logician was so illogical that his paralyzing fear of being poisoned to death overshadowed his fear of starving to death. A logical conclusion. 
They later attributed his behavior to a personality disturbance, which sounds like a very 70s way of phrasing whatever mm. was going on with this guy. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and if it was a woman, they would have said she was hysterical. Of course. I mean, I know I get my personality disturbance once a month for <laughs> five days or so. <laughs> So three possibilities for framing this one, starved to death, scared to death, mm. or neglected to death by America's healthcare system, because it sounds like this guy could have used some help that he clearly didn't get. Classic. Yeah, this one sounds possibly like a bit of undiagnosed OCD or something, mm. because according to the International OCD Foundation... Obsessive compulsive disorder, OCD, is a mental health disorder that affects people of all ages and walks of life and occurs when a person gets caught in a cycle of obsessions and compulsions. Don't talk like you know me. <laughs> obsessions are unwanted, intrusive thoughts, images, or urges that trigger intensely distressing feelings. Compulsions are behaviors an individual engages in to attempt to get rid of the obsessions and or decrease his or her distress. Mm. Most people have obsessive thoughts and or compulsive behaviors at some point in their lives, but that does not mean that we all have some OCD. <laughs> uh, it just gets thrown around too much, people. In order for a diagnosis of obsessive compulsive disorder to be made, this cycle of obsessions and compulsions becomes so extreme that it consumes a lot of time and gets in the way of important activities that the person values. Now, you don't have to be a compulsive hand washer to have OCD. That is but one of the most prevalent examples of the many forms OCD can take. And, you know, I'm no psychiatrist and therefore definitely not qualified to do any diagnosing, but... It wouldn't be a stretch to claim that this guy's poison obsession was getting in the way of the important and valued activity of living a normal life, where he could eat food without agonizing over it. Mm -hmm. Or maybe PTSD, or like a mix of the two. How anyone tells these things apart, I'll never know. On the bright side, he got out of the whole affair without being poisoned, so... Success? Hmm... One of my favorite deaths belongs to the late George Spencer Millet because he died on February 15th, which is my birthday. Happy which... birthday. Oh, thanks. <laughs> which was also his birthday. Happy birthday. Happy birthday, George. The year was 1909, and George turned 15 on February 15th, his birthday, and also his death day. Hmm. He is known as the boy who was kissed to death. <gasps> Romantic, right? I don't know. It sounds kind of icky. <laughs> but then again, other people's spit grosses me out. Mm, true. According to the Times at the time, <laughs> mm -hmm. George had lovely manners and was a real looker compared to the other average office boys working in the same building, which captured the attention of the young lady stenographers working there. Ooh, does that mean he knew how to fold a napkin in his lap while he ate and which fork to eat with which course? What a fancy man. Uh, they didn't specify, but yes? Let's say yes. <laughs> What's sexier than a man with manners? Don't answer that. I, I want to go home sometime tonight. <laughs> <laughs> On the morning of February 15th, George's fan club unanimously promised that when the workday ended, they would each give him one kiss for every year of his age. And friends... Can I just stop to tell you that this is a lesson in why consent is important? Mm -hmm. Of course, only the best and brightest listen to our show, so you already know that. Oh, man. I have dim memories of do doing this to a friend's cousin when I was, like, six. Mm -hmm. 
let's unleash a flurry of kisses on him while he's playing video games. <laughs> yep. Uh, bet he loved that. <laughs> hey, listen, I don't remember who the friend was or her cousin's name or even what state this happened in, but... If you're listening, I would like to apologize for my six-year-old behavior. Was this something kids just did back then? It's making my skin crawl a bit to think of child me doing this, so grown-ass women hatching this plan is double ick. I'm not sure you can call 15-year-olds grown-ass women. I guess maybe back in 1909, since they probably only lived to be 35 before they died of old age. Mm. And no offense to any 15-year-olds out there today. I know you probably feel like you're an adult, but you'll realize when you turn 20 that you weren't yet. And then when you turn 35, you'll realize that you weren't really an adult at 20 yet either. Mm -hmm. I'm pretty sure it just keeps going like that until you're dead. I'll see how things go and report back when I'm a ghost. All right. So back in 1909... And consent wasn't really a thing yet. <laughs> Free kisses for everybody. <laughs> At the end of the workday, these young lady children made good on their promise and descended on young Millet to deliver the calculated amount of smooches. Mm. Now, usually men have the opposite problem of not having six girls that want to give them kisses. And mm. usually it is the women fending off the men who descend upon them. But part of what makes the story so interesting and bizarre is that the tables were turned on this fateful February day. Another interesting and bizarre thing about this whole affair is, wait for it, how pens used to work. Hmm. Well, hard turn there. Keep them guessing. I like it. (laughs) On George Spencer Millet's 15th birthday, the ink from pens would sort of sit on the surface of the paper to some degree. To remove mistakes, people at the time used something called an ink scraper, which consisted of a sharp metal blade that would be used to scratch the ink off the surface of the paper when there was an error. (laughs) Yep, I can see why we don't use these anymore, and I don't even have to hear the rest of the story. Mm -hmm. A handy little implement. No, sorry, I said I don't even have to hear the rest of the story, so let's just... (laughs) (laughs) Can I plug my ears? I don't like where this is going. You just leave the room, and I'll call you back when I'm done. A handy little implement. They were often sharp at both ends, so as to be used as a letter opener or to fold paper with the other end. And because it was 1909, apparently nobody thought of making covers for the ends of sharp things yet. Also, pocket protectors were not a thing. And our little George had one of these tiny instruments of doom in his shirt pocket. Hmm. Mostly unrelated to this story, but I used to be in a band with a group of friends where we all only played little ukuleles. We had about eight band names that we could never choose between, and Tiny Instruments of Doom wasn't any of them. Talk about tragedy. Oh, missed opportunity there. (laughs) I'm back with you. (laughs) Hey, uh, on the upside, guess that means that name is still in play. We're getting the band back together. (laughs) But first, back to 1909. I'm going to pull up your little trick of thinking about snacks. (laughs) It works really good. Tuning out. Okay, go ahead. I'm ready. (laughs) So the clock strikes. Time to go home. And our stenographer girls surround George. He's going to get 15 times six birthday kisses. And he is not having any of that. He scrambles to escape this fate worse than, well, 
I guess it's up to George to make the call on that one at this point, but hopefully that was going to be a fate worse than death because death is exactly what George got for his birthday that year. Oh, what a crappy present. I know. That's totally not what he asked for. Mm-mm. Under the assault of kisses, George tried to wriggle away and in the process cried out, I'm stabbed! Mm-hmm. And right where it counts, too. Mm-hmm. In the heart. No! The day after Valentine's Day and the day of his birthday. Mm. What bullshit. He probably didn't even get a cake. At first, no one was sure what had happened, which you all probably don't have that problem because I went through the trouble of telling you what an ink scraper is earlier. Mm. But in case my erratic storytelling has you mixed up, George fell on his ink eraser, which wounded him fatally. One of the girls was arrested. They thought she had just, like, straight murdered him or something, but was later let go when everyone figured out that it was 1909 and people just carried deadly sh** around in their pockets on the regular. And that it was an accident. This is a complete aside, but... Uh, wasn't there actual cocaine in Coca-Cola in 1909? Mm, absolutely. Uh, yes. Yes, it f***ing was for a solid 20 years after George was kissed to death. I'm not sure whether to feel satisfied with myself for getting that semi-obscure fact kind of right or horrified that these two things overlapped, so uh, let's just move on. I hope wherever this kid is buried that people go every year and leave rubber erasers on his grave or something. I have to imagine that part of the reason we no longer have to attack the ink out of paper with scalpels is a result of what happened to this little fella. Oof. Yeah, you did good work, George, even if you didn't live to tell the tale. Mm-hmm. His tombstone did, though. Oh. The method of his demise, well, a less detailed version, is carved into his tombstone. I wasn't planning on having a tombstone, but if I did, the bizarre way that I died would be pretty epic carved into the granite. Here lies Faye, tripped over the little corner bit of the rug, and in an attempt to not crush the dog in her fall, pivoted and banged her elbow on a cumbersome lamp. <laughs> That'd be pretty good. Where'd you learn that lamps were fatal? <laughs> I mean, if you bang your elbow right, ah. maybe you get swelling, maybe it turns gangrenous. Oh, sure. <laughs> you can get some trench elbow. Trench <laughs> You never know. It spreads to your mouth, then you've got trench mouth. Sure. I just feel like I would die in some stupid way where it's like, I stubbed my toe and like didn't get it treated, and then three months later, I'm just dead. I think you'd probably lose the toe first, and that would be a pretty good indication of what's to come. But I'd probably get it treated at that point. Yeah, I'd, I'd like to think you would. I'd certainly encourage you to if, if given the chance. Another of my favorite strange deaths that strikes a little too close to home for me is the flamboyant death of the mother of dance, Isadora Duncan. On a September night in Nice, France, Isadora Duncan started out for her home in an open-top sports car. She'd been asked to put on a cloak, but she was far too fabulous for that and insisted on wearing only a gorgeous and extravagantly long hand-painted silk scarf around her neck, something she was known for. I mean, also she had clothes on, but no coat. Mm. You get the point. 
At some point in the ride, as her scarf billowed out gloriously behind her, the end of it was sucked into the spoked wheel of the car, wrapping around the axle and flinging Isadora in an extraordinary manner entirely out of the vehicle, which made her neck also not be in one piece anymore. Ouch. And she's not alone. Every year, around 35 people are strangled to death by their own scarves. No, that's too many people. It's so many people. (sighs) The medical establishment refers to injury or death consequent to entanglement of neckwear with a wheel or other machinery as Isadora Duncan syndrome. Is that a syndrome? I thought you had to be sick to have a syndrome, but (laughs) this shows where my medical knowledge begins and ends, I guess. I don't know, but you would think that would dissuade me from wearing a multitude of stupid long scars, but it's just such an Edward Gorey way to go. I can't really help myself. Mm. Eritrus, how many scarves are hanging on the wall above me right now? (laughs) I lost count after seven, but it's definitely more than that. So I'm going to go with um, 200. I bet you don't even know. Mm-hmm. I don't even know, but I know that 200 is closer than 7. So odds are this is how I'm going to go, and it's going to be fabulous. <laughs> In Caballito, Buenos Aires, a poodle named Cachi was playing on the balcony of his owner's apartment. New renovations had recently altered the railing on the patio, and Kachi slipped through, falling 13 floors. Oh, Kachi. Poor Kachi. Mm. On the street below, a 75-year-old woman named Marta Espina was walking by when the plummeting poodle fell directly on her, killing them both instantly. What are the odds? Mm -hmm. Extremely, extremely low. You hope. Mm. Amazed at this strange series of events, a crowd gathered nearby. One of these spectators, Edith Sola, hurried over to see the incident and was fatally struck by a passing bus. No, Edith. Another onlooker who witnessed this strange series of events then suffered a heart attack and also died on his way to the hospital. This is like Final Destination (laughs) shit, man. Holy (laughs) fuck. That is one killer poodle. Oh, man's best friend. Mm. Certainly not too friendly towards the women in this story. Or too friendly. Fell right on her. Poodles aren't the only cute, cuddly creatures to turn out to be secret man killers. Hmm. Or woman killers. (laughs) Nay. You won't be surprised to hear that snakes have made this list a few times. Yeah, snakes are cool. So I won't bother to tell you about those. What? I mean... You came here to be surprised, didn't you? I came here to be shocked and appalled, frankly. Well, instead, you're going to be disappointed. (laughs) Because I'm going to tell you about the very unfortunate fate of Anthony Hensley. Okay, fine. But later, let's talk about snakes. 37-year-old father Anthony Hensley worked in Illinois for a company called Knox Swan and Dog. If you think you know where this story is headed, I bet you don't, actually. Twist! They sold snakes. Nope. Nope, it was just swans and ducks. You said that we could talk about snakes later. I don't think I did, <laughs> actually. I assumed that we would talk about snakes later. Knox, swan, and dog used swans and dogs 
to keep geese off of condominiums' properties. Oh, wow. That's a surprisingly accurate name, then. Specifically, the company used mute swans to deter geese. Um, yeah. Now, I have a lot of questions about this company and where these speechless swans are coming from. I also have these questions. Secret genetic testing lab with questionable animal experimentation ethics? Hmm. Or maybe they just know a guy. Yeah. His company is called Dog and Swan Silencer. <gasps> you really don't want to know the gory details, but let's just say he also sells snakes. <gasps> This isn't about snakes. <laughs> it is now. But also genetically modified mute dogs and swans. Oof. That's some super villain <laughs> shit. <laughs> what can you say about this business model other than necessity is the mother of invention? Hmm. So Anthony Hensley is kayaking around, checking on his company's swans as per his work duties, which, to be honest, doesn't sound like a terrible job. Mm -hmm. When it's thought that a mother swan protecting her eggs decided he got too close and jumped onto his kayak, Whoa. displacing him from the crafts and causing him to fall in the water. Whoa! Swans are dicks! Mm-hmm. <laughs> no. Swans may look cute and cuddly, but while they are much smaller than a human and many times more adorable, they can be vicious little cutthroats. <laughs> I mean, not literally cutthroats, but you get the idea. I bet if they could figure out how to hold a switchblade, they totally would. That's a hell of a Halloween costume right there. Just like a swan wearing a little leather coat, <laughs> hair all greased back, holding a switchblade. <laughs> <laughs> Please make it happen, the internet. That's what you're for. So this swan in particular was pretty keyed up from having this perceived threat come so close to her, and she repeatedly attacked him. Oh, my God. I know. Whoa! Unfortunately, Anthony Hensley was not wearing a life jacket, and though he was a strong swimmer and quite a strapping man, he plunged into the water fully clothed and wearing boots so was not able to make it to shore with the odds stacked against him, so. What? What the f <laughs> Did they take the swan into custody? I did not see the swan's fate mentioned in any of the articles, but generally humans don't take much pity on animals that kill us. Yeah, I bet they shot it in the face. I bet they f the swan up. I mean, on the plus side, even while all of this is happening, you've got to be thinking, no worries, you know, just a big pissed off bird. Mm -hmm. I'll just swim to shore. This is going to be fine. <laughs> no one approaches a swan and thinks this might be the last thing I ever see. I will now, though. Right? He probably didn't see it coming, which is something. I mean, don't get me wrong. I'm not saying this is how I want to go, <laughs> but at least it's not like pure dread the entire time. Right? That's true. You have to be assuming you can survive it up until the last minute. Ultimately, this was a drowning death, but I'm saying there are worse ways to go. I'd rather be killed by an animal than a human. Mm -hmm. Then you know you didn't get killed by some idiot texting while driving, but by a creature acting out of instinct. <laughs> I guess that's better. I doubt any of this was much comfort to his family, though. Ugh. That's nuts that you found this. Last night, I was watching a thing about a different guy who was knocked out of his boat by a goose. What? And it, like, somehow held him oh, underwater. no! Until he drowned. Oh, that goose! What a dick! Yeah. I didn't even think of including it, because I was like, well, of course it did. Geese are f***ing ass 
but mm. somehow it's even weirder that people know that geese are dicks and hire swans to keep the geese away and then get killed by the swan. Man, there is just no winning. Nope. And now I'm imagining the swan dressed up as a little bodyguard. Like, maybe she's got a little belt with walkie-talkies on it. Oh. But after she turns on the guy she works for, it comes out that she was hired to do a double cross. <gasps> and she's got a picture of the guy with an X marked on it stashed in her wing feathers. In case you're thinking, oh, okay, animals are clearly more lethal than I thought. I'll just stay away from them and have delicious veggies to keep me company instead for the rest of my days. <laughs> Think again. Er... Think again if the delicious veggie of your dreams is carrots. Because that can make your brain explode right out of your skull. <laughs> what? Okay. All right. Not really. But I bet I have your attention. <laughs> Just in case you were still wondering about how those swans became mute in the first place. <laughs> I was still wondering. But now you have me thinking about making a little hat and tie for a potato and mm. having it keep me company for the rest of my days. Oh, do you think that's how they came up with Mr. Potato Head? Oh. Damn. Have I ever had an original thought in my life? Mm. It all just goes around and around, doesn't it? Well, that's one way to do it. <laughs> but another option is what 48-year-old scientific advisor Basil Brown did. Uh, Basil Brown was described as an intelligent man, but one who eschewed medical advice from doctors. Hmm. Now, I'm no rocket scientist, but to my mind, doctors are one of the best sources of medical information around. I guess, if you don't have access to Yahoo Answers or Quora, whoa. maybe. Whoa, 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 whoa. <laughs> There's children that listen to this. Children who don't know a world before the internet. <laughs> Clearly, Basil Brown had different opinions than I on the matter. He had been drinking up to eight pints oh my God. of carrot juice oh my a God. day oh my God. for <laughs> health reasons. For reasons. That is a lot of carrot juice. Mm -hmm. Did he own stock in a carrot farm? Oh. Was his doctor Bugs Benny? Well... <laughs> We do know that Bugs did have access to at least one doctor's jacket mm -hmm. from the times he played one on Looney Tunes. So. Exactly. Uh, we can't rule that out. <laughs> but back to our carrot fanatic. According to his wife, nobody prescribed it. He just thought it was the right way to eat. He also <laughs> took vitamin A tablets. Oh, Lord. Probably yeah. by the handful. I mean, yeah, he was, he was all in on the vitamin A. <laughs> he was like, vitamin A, that's where it's at. Vitamin A plus. I'm going to start at the alphabet and work my way to. No, you know what? Vitamin A, <laughs> let's just, right there, that's all you should need. In 1974, the family's doctor told the coroner that he had warned Mr. Brown against his addiction to vitamin A, presumably before any such time as there was a need for a coroner for Mr. Brown. This doctor also sent him to a specialist who reinforced this advice Yet the carrot juice regimen continued. This man's combined intake of carrots and vitamin A tablets was so extreme that he was described as being bright yellow when he died. Oh. Yeah. Like alcohol poisoning, vitamin A had the effect in this case of resulting in cirrhosis of the liver. Ugh. The inquest found that Mr. Brown had died from carrot juice addiction. <laughs> It's a thing, apparently. So now it is worth mentioning that he consumed 70 million units of vitamin A. Oh, my God. And around 10 gallons, or 38 liters, of carrot juice over 10 days. Holy carrots. Yep. That's a lot of carrots. 
A combined overdose of both retinol and carrots is most unusual, but as we now know, not impossible. So if you're interested in learning more, there's this whole page on the Carrot Museum website about how carrots <laughs> can be addictive, which is surprising because just about the last place you'd expect to find anti-carrot information would be on the site of a web-based museum dedicated to just the same topic. Slanderous carrot info from the Carrot Museum, the most trusted source of museum-quality carrot facts the internet has to offer. Oh, you know that must be serious if the very site dedicated to lifting up the most crispy and orange of all root veggies is also willing to cut it down a few pegs in the same breath. Maybe it's a tactic, you know, like, oh, be careful. Carrots are addicting. And then they dangle a carrot in front of your nose and wag a finger at you simultaneously. Mm, Carrotmuseum.co. .uk is the first truly fearless website I've seen in a long time, willing to take the good name of Carrotitude and drag it through the mud in the very next sentence, <laughs> willing to risk everything they've built up to spread the word about carrots, and yet be responsible enough to acknowledge just how truly dangerous these unassuming salad accents can be. <laughs> According to, to carrotmuseum.co.uk, eating raw carrots may be as addictive as cigarette smoking, and every bit is difficult to give up. Clearly. Addictive, yes. Call it what it is, Carrot Museum. <laughs> don't be oblique with a topic this polarizing, this potentially life-shattering. We don't want any kids out there picking up a carrot, thinking this is somehow not a gateway veggie, thinking they can easily pick one up, experiment with it, and then walk away unscathed. Nay, please don't wait until it's too late. Talk to your children about carrot addiction today. <laughs> before they find out about it on the streets. <laughs> they have not one but two mm. bold red cautionary statements right at the top they of their sure, website. <laughs> sure do. Before you even get to any of the carrot factoids. Mm -hmm. I'm lucky to have made it as far as I have. I never knew the risk I was taking. See? If you learn nothing else from this episode, learn this. Every bite of raw carrot is a dance with the devil, my friends. <laughs> Man, I could really go for some carrot cake right now. <laughs> have we learned anything from these weird and unfortunate demises? I haven't. Have you? <laughs> uh, I, my main takeaway is beliefs can kill you. Mm. I guess we started with a guy who didn't want to eat for fear of being poisoned, so he starved to death. And we ended with a guy who had a very low opinion of doctors and died because of an obsession with maintaining a high intake of vitamin A against the advice of both his doctor and a specialist, uh -huh. which led to him being poisoned by it. Hmm. If only he could have swapped the fear with the other guy <laughs> about being poisoned. Yeah. Yeah. I guess my main takeaway is that anything can kill you. Uh -huh. I guess just live your life because you never know if a poodle is going to rain out of the sky or your clothes are going to attack you and boot you out of a moving vehicle. Some of these feel so... I feel like ridiculous isn't quite the right word, but I can't think of a better one. It makes me think fate has got to be a thing. Mm. 
Like maybe it was just this person's time to go and all the Grim Reaper had on hand at that moment was a poodle or a swan. Oh. I'm imagining some bad Gary Larson style cartoon where the Grim Reaper goes off to work and then his wife is like, oh honey, you left your scythe. Mm -hmm. But he's already driving off in his mid-class sedan. So <laughs> oh, come on, he, he would go for the upgrade. <laughs> the Reaper can get at least the it's Top got heated level. seats. Yeah, yeah, okay. <laughs> it's all Sweet. about comfort. Yeah, moon roof. Check. <laughs> so then the next panel in the cartoon is the Grim Reaper looking out across a lake at this guy in a boat, and then down at a goose standing there, and is like, well, you'll have to do. Really, that's the only way my brain can make sense out of any of this. I spend a pathological amount of my time trying to be prepared for the worst, but I can tell you that there probably isn't a day where I would be prepared for any of this nonsense. So I guess if I could believe that fate is a thing, then I could maybe feel better about the shit that happens in the world that I can't control. Hmm. Do what you can, and when all else fails, call it fate. Either that or greet every day with a balanced diet water wings and a hard hat. Mmm, that's a look. When you say water wings, do you mean swimmies? Mm-hmm. I've never heard them called that. I've never heard them called swimmies. <laughs> Damn it. Is that another regional difference? What do you call yeah, them? Yeah, like your pizza. <laughs> Floaties? Yeah. Son of a bitch. Now there's three of them between us. <laughs> what are we going to do? No one's going to know what we're talking about.